Hello. We're glad that you're with us today. We hope that you're doing well. We're glad that you're interested in spiritual things. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what I was required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that the, your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so also do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thus is Paul's letter to Philemon. The little letter comes very end of the Pauline corpus, and a lot of times kind of gets lost in all the letters that are a lot bigger and have a lot more uh, to say. But this is a very important book for so many different reasons. It's written by Paul and Timothy, but Paul is the, the main author behind it. And no one has ever really disputed that Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. It doesn't have a specific date like the rest of the New Testament letters. But we can see that Paul is in prison in Philemon 1 and 13. And that's going to either be in Jerusalem, Caesarea, or Rome between 58 and 62. Now, it seems that Philemon is part of the church in Colossae. We see a lot of the same names as we see in the letter to the Colossians. And, in fact, it might well be that the church of Colossae met in Philemon's house. And so it's quite likely that Colossians and Philemon would be sent at the same time. Now, we know from archaeological and historical evidence that Colossae was destroyed in an earthquake in either the year 60 or 61. 
And Paul does not seem to be aware of this event. And so therefore, it's more likely that this letter is written between 58 and 60, and the events described took place while Paul is in prison, either in Jerusalem or very more likely in Caesarea. Now Paul writes to Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and a church in his house. Uh, now Onesimus is... Um, in Colossians 4, 8 through 9, consider a member of the church of Colossae, that's also sent by Paul. In that same letter, Colossians 4, 17, Archippus is encouraged to fulfill the ministry that God gave to him. Epaphras sends his greetings at the end of Philemon, and he is considered one of the Colossians, a hard worker for the Christians of Colossae, Laodicea, and Herapolis, nearby cities there in Asia Minor in Colossians 4, 12 to 13. So Paul is writing specifically to Philemon. He's also writing to Aphia and Archippus and the whole church in Colossae, uh, meeting in Philemon's house as kind of reinforcement and encouragement for uh, Philemon to do the, the right thing in this situation. And the whole letter is really written for an encouragement to Philemon to treat Onesimus, who is his runaway slave, in a, in a very forgiving and well way because he has become a Christian. And we saw this through this letter. This letter is a remarkable piece of rhetoric when we consider it and how Paul makes his conversation. He begins by speaking to Philemon, and he begins, as he often does, by thanking God for Philemon. He first emphasizes the positive in verses 4 through 7, that Philemon has love and faith toward Jesus and the saints, that he's been sharing his faith, and that a lot of joy and comfort have come to Paul because he's heard how Philemon has been a refreshment to the hearts of the saints because of maybe his benevolence, because of of his hospitality. Uh, we're not told exactly what uh, Philemon has done, uh, but it's, uh, it's commended and it's positive. And so after he in, in provides his thankfulness, he, he makes this appeal. And throughout, uh, it's a masterful piece of rhetoric because there's a subtext to this whole letter that Paul has actually many very big sticks. He could, as he says in the beginning, command Philemon in the name of Jesus to receive Onesimus back. At the end, he reminds Philemon, hey, I tell you understand the gospel. You owe your soul to me in many respects. I really think you should listen to what I have to say. In fact, uh, to use a modern idiom, the whole time, Paul is making an offer that Philemon can't refuse. And it's, it's a masterful way of attempting to persuade as opposed to force in this circumstance. He's making this appeal for Onesimus. Onesimus is a slave. He seems from the story in verses uh, 8 through 16 to be a runaway slave, that he has departed from Philemon. Uh, he was not a Christian when he left, but now uh, in his time with Paul he has become converted and is a helping Paul in, in the work of ministry. Now in the ancient Roman world, the slave was a property of the owner. And as the property owner, a runaway slave could be treated very severely. They could be beaten. They could be killed. Uh, they, the, the, the master had a lot of errands about what he could do to such a slave in that condition. And that is why Paul, Paul feels a need to write on behalf of Onesimus. Um, that he's now useful. And he points out, sure he was, he's your slave, and Paul never denies that. Uh, 
but now he's showing how much more effective he is, how much more valuable he is, because he's now not just a slave, but a brother in Christ. Uh, he, he says that Onesimus is his own heart in verse 9. Excuse me, not verse 9, but down in... Um, Verse 12. And he does that because he's trying to appeal to Philemon how important Onesimus is. That if he hurts Onesimus, in many ways he's hurting Paul. But Paul isn't assuming. Paul isn't compelling. He instead is giving an opportunity. And again, there's this kind of subtle thing here that I I would be glad to keep him, but you know, I don't want to force the hand here. I don't. Want, I don't want this gift of yours to be under compulsion. But you really can see what Paul wants here. Paul wants Philemon to receive Onesimus back gladly, and it wouldn't hurt if uh, maybe Philemon sent Onesimus back to help Paul in, in ministry. Uh, but notice that Paul does not feel that he can just do it. Paul does not feel like he should force Philemon's hand. Instead, Paul declares. that Philemon should take him back into accept him, and then maybe send him back of his own volition. Really does a great job of showing here that love does not seek its own. Love does not compel or coerce in 1 Corinthians 13. And so in this difficult circumstance, Paul wants Philemon to do the right thing. He's not going to force Philemon to do the right thing. He's going to encourage. Encourage very strongly, with a whole lot of uh, not-so-subtle references to the things that could be done. Uh, but nevertheless, even in such an environment which may be see contrived, we may say, well, wait a second here, uh, Paul's being a little manipulative toward Philemon. Uh, sure. But in the end, the idea is that Paul can't force it. That Philemon has to freely offer. And so even he's pretty bold here, and, and he's even suggesting that maybe that's why uh, Onesimus left, that maybe this running away was providential. Uh, so that he could receive him back as as a brother. And, and even beloved to Paul. Again, Paul wants to just slather it on about how important Nesmus is to him. And so he goes on the exhortation. If you consider me your partner, then receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, charge it to my account. That's that's Paul really showing how important Onesimus is. And kind of a bold thing, because we're not sure if Paul could pay back what he says he could pay back. Because that would be quite the incurred debt of, of, of a, sl- a slave's uh, lack of effort for a master over a given period of time. But Paul is pretty strong in his relationship with Philemon, or is, is certainly projecting that. He even uh, writes this down himself. I, Paul, write this in my own hand, I will repay it in verse 19. We have to remember that a lot of times, and this maybe will be Timothy's doing here, uh, letters are written by an amanuensis. It's, it's, not, it's not a false hand, really. It's just that letters were often dictated. And so Paul most likely dictated, maybe, to Timothy uh, the beginning of it. But at that point, Paul takes out the pen himself and writes this so that Philemon knows it's him and that this is not just something being made up here. Uh, Onesimus isn't writing his own get-out-of-punishment-free card. Um, but he wants his benefit in Christ. And in fact, he's confident that Philemon is going to do this very thing and that um, a guest room will be prepared for him because he wants to spend time with him through his prayers to be given 
over to Philemon. Very strong, very almost possessed language, possessive language, uh, as if Paul is, in fact, another slave of, of, of Philemon, like Onesimus. Uh, and that's very deliberate. And the final greetings, uh, as consistent with the letter, uh, if, if referring to Epaphras, uh, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, the people who are with him, and that the grace of the Lord Jesus be with his spirit. And so, uh, in the, this letter is a very interesting battlefield because of the subtext of the whole letter, which is slavery. And, and this letter has revoked all sorts of reactions. Most of those reactions tell you a lot more about the people reacting than the text itself. Because we have what we consider now this very unpleasant reality, which is the Roman practice of slavery. We must hasten to begin by saying Roman slavery was nothing like the slavery of the American South uh, in the past few hundred years until the uh, 1865. Uh, that was a much more brutal, dehumanizing form of slavery uh, based upon working away in fields. Um, the slavery in the ancient world, uh, they were still possessed beings. A lot of times there was no racial differences. It was just people caught as prisoners of war or, or the children of slaves. Uh, they would often be manumitted. They often would receive their freedom. Rome was full of freedmen. Um, they were normally brought in to certainly do some work in the, some field. A lot of them were household servants. Uh, many of the Greeks, especially in the days of the Romans, were, were slaves to as, as teachers uh, of, of the children and others. And so there are all sorts of, of functions that slaves had. Certainly, yes, there would be slaves in the mines, slaves doing some other things uh, that were less than pleasant and led off into their deaths, but that normally was for a specific group, uh, normally that had been at least somewhat disobedient. Uh, and, of course, everybody's up in arms because Paul never condemns slavery, nor does he demand the release of Onesimus in the letter. And so, to modern ears, Paul is colluding with slavery. We need to keep in mind, though, that there's the whole... The, 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 the Bible is not about our pressing political issues that the, the God through Jesus is attempting to restore all people to himself. And as 1 Corinthians 7 makes clear, that happens wherever you are in life. And that's why the important thing is to follow after God. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, the one who is uh, called to God as a slave is the Lord's freedman. The one who is free uh, when called is the Lord's slave. And throughout the New Testament, you have this very interesting uh, description that the apostles call themselves slaves of Jesus Christ. Uh, our Bibles tend to, English Bibles tend to kind of blur that by using bond servants or servants uh, at the beginning of, of letters in a place like that. But it's the Greek word doulos, which is just the word for slave. Uh, in the New Testament, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, in, in the Colossian letter that would have gone along with uh, Philemon, Colossians 22 through 25, expecting the Christian slaves would serve their masters. Uh, likewise, in Ephesians 6, 9, and Colossians 4, 1, those masters are to treat slaves well because they should remember they have a master in heaven as well. Uh, what, but Paul puts his trust in, 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 in what he has said in Galatians 3, 20 and Colossians 3, 11 that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. And is that 
table participation that is ultimately the undoing of slavery. And and therefore, we, we're not very kind or merciful, but beyond that, we're not even very perspicacious or wise when we chastise and rebuke Paul for what they, people call colluding with slavery. Because what, what Paul has really done is introduced the poison pill that Jesus has really done. He's introduced a poison pill uh, that will be the end of slavery, which is itself an amazing thing. We should stop and think for a second, why is it that we find slavery abhorrent? Remembering that the time of Jesus, the time of Paul, slavery was a practice that went back well beyond 2,000 years. We have documentation of slavery all the way back by to 3,000 years beforehand. So, slavery was along long before Jesus and Paul. And slavery would continue for a time, but and slavery continues to this day in certain forms. And, and yet, what all ultimately led to slavery becoming not the norm in cultures in the medieval period... And then in the modern period, well, it was Christianity. It was the idea that everyone has equal value before God. In fact, the only reason why uh, slavery could be sustained in the American South for so long was because slaves are dehumanized in many ways and considered less than fully human. So, it was the idea that there is neither slave nor free, that over time when a man would share the Lord's Supper with his slave and then go back to life where he was over his slave, that that disconnect meant that the institution could no longer be upheld seriously. And that's what ultimately led to its demise. And so it's ironic to rebuke or critique Paul for the elimination of slave, for not being immediately on board the elimination of slavery, when it in fact is this proclamation of the gospel, and it is this realization of both the slaves and masters that what's really important is 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 the fact that you are equal for God, and you in each of your positions need to serve the Lord Jesus. That ultimately led to the realization of the shared humanity, and that there was something just uncomfortable with a man owning another person. And we should say in in First Corinthians seven, when Paul talks about how the slave man is uh, the freedman of Christ, he says that you are to remain as you are called, but if a slave couldn't get his freedom, he should certainly do that. So Paul Paul is not automatically a fan of slavery. Uh, Paul is realizing that the ultimate good of saving souls in Christ is what he's pursuing. There is that lesser good of seeing the emancipation of slaves, but he recognizes, well, if you free the slave, but they're still condemned... That you haven't really done a whole lot of benefiting them. And so he's not willing to sacrifice the greater good for the lesser good. But interestingly, as the greater good is upheld, it's the, the, the lesser good is accomplished. And that's the way that we should look at the faith in general. If we hold to the greater good, hopefully the lesser goods will be taken care of as we reach that greater good. And and not to miss that in in the emphasis there with this particular letter. Likewise, it's interesting to see again how Paul has spoken to Philemon in very encouraging ways. He doesn't rebuke. He doesn't dress him down. He speaks encouragingly. He's appealing to Philemon's better nature. 
And it's important for us because we can see that a lot of times when we want to get somebody to do what we want them to do, we start out with the stick as opposed to uh, trying these more uh, these ways that tend to flatter the person. And so we should do well to consider Paul and how we talk to other people and see if we can maybe appeal to people's better nature when we encourage them to do something as opposed to believe that they're automatically going to think the worst, assume the worst, and not want to uh, actually do anything to help. Uh, And especially this is good for preachers to consider. So Philemon... It's an interesting letter, and perhaps one of the most vexing things about Philemon is we don't know how it turns out. We like to think that Philemon does as Paul expects, and he welcomes Anesimus happily as a brother in Christ, and that he sends Anesimus back, and there's no real reason to believe to the contrary. Uh, we just simply do not know. Uh, soon after this letter would have been sent, Colossae has hit a major earthquake, and it never really rose again. And we don't know what came of Philemon or Anesimus or the church there. And so the fact that we have these letters in our canon mean that they've been preserved somehow. The fact they've been preserved, uh, that Philemon didn't get his rip it up, uh, may point to to the fact that Philemon was being let. And so let's, that, that's probably the best way of going. Let's, let's just assume the best of Philemon and Onesimus, that it worked out well. And if not, then we can be sorrowful about that when we uh, share in the resurrection. But nevertheless, let us let us take the lessons of Philemon to heart and to appeal to one another by love, and to be appealed to with love, to seek the will of the Lord Jesus, and to be a refreshment to the saints, and to welcome one another in love and kindness. We're thankful again that you've spent this time with us. We hope that you've been encouraged by considering Philemon. If you have any more questions about Philemon, or perhaps you'd like to talk about something else that Paul or somebody else wrote, something else in the, in the Bible, maybe you have a prayer request, maybe you're going through some difficulties, you just need to talk. Anything at all. Please, uh, let me. if I can be of service, please let me do so. Please contact me at my website. That's deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And maybe you're interested in, in more about learn about more about the Church of Christ in Los Angeles. Uh, we're online at VenturesChristchrist.org. We're also going to be found on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Google+, Twitter, YouTube, uh, at Venice Church, at Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.